Pokemon. It's Bloopcast. This is Bloopcast. I'm Ewan. I'm Rob. And I'm James. But the question is, why are we the Bloopcast? Yes! Yeah! Pikachu! Pikachu! Oh, wow. Well, you just said yes in uh, Pikachu language. Wow. (laughs) Pikachu! Okay. Pikachu! So today, we are going to be discussing the manga series based on the popular Pokemon franchise, Pokemon Adventures, which... Or Pokemon Special in Japan which is an ongoing manga series written by Hidenori Kusaka, and of course, as I've said, based on the Pokemon video game series. Each arc is based on a game in the series with its own cast of characters, but today we are focusing on the first couple of arcs, which mainly follows the adventures of Red, a Pokemon trainer from Pallet Town who goes on a journey to become a Pokemon master before his rival, Blue, and ends up in conflict with the evil Team Rocket organization. Prepare for trouble! Make it double! To protect the world from devastation! To unite all peoples within our nation! To denounce the evils of truth and love! To extend our reach to the stars above! Jesse! James! Team Rocket, blast off at the speed of light! Surrender now or prepare to fight! Oh, that's right! You really emphasize the blue name there, Rob, because I know that you're annoyed that a lot of the other ones go by green. Is that right? That um, his arch rival is called green. I'm not. I'm it, not annoyed uh, by that. But basically, in Japan, yes, he's called green because <laughs> in um, in Japan it wasn't really red and blue, which is what we got um, in like the UK and America. It was red and green, and then blue was the revised right, version. Right. So that makes sense why they changed it to blue when they released it in Western okay. countries. Because I, I I read a weird like I guess weird internet translated version of the manga for this and they they retranslated his name to green so i guess they were going by the actual translation do you know why they changed the name for the localization was it just because they wanted it red red versus blue so basically the thing is um red and green was the original version released in japan and then blue was the revised updated version of that and that was the blue was the basis of the port to like the localized versions so so that's why we got red and blue okay so was it related to the game boy like colors then yes the game boy games yes it was it? yeah right right okay yeah because you don't really think of like game boy green <laughs> you, you, but you do you do hear you do hear pokemon red pokemon blue so yeah that, that makes oh yeah i I'm sure there was a Pokemon Green at some point, but I don't. Yeah, remember, Pokemon Green. So. Yeah, that Sorry, was the very first. That was the first one. It was re- only released in Japan. Well, there you go. It was only released in Japan, so yeah. I want to sort of talk about how we got acquainted with Pokemon the franchise as well, but maybe how we got acquainted with the manga as well. That'd be a way to start, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I yeah, can yeah. go into this because I remember distinctly remember Pokemon exploding. So basically, I was about six at the mm. time, and my family first got digital TV, which gave us access to many more channels than 
normally because back in the time it was like a rarity so most people only had like four or five channels I think the morning after we got it set up my dad flicked through the channels finding something for me to watch we ended up on the channel Sky One which was at the time showing the 90s radical Flash Gordon cartoon where he was a radical hoverboarding teenager hell yeah <laughs> but that was followed by this program which was unlike anything I think I'd ever seen before. It had this distinctive art style which of course is like the anime art style which I'm very familiar with now. But it's like the first time I was seeing something with that distinctive look. And there were all these cute creatures and like up there, there was a boy who had like a, a baseball cap and he threw a ball at a crab and then they're in a lighthouse and there's a big weird dragon monster and I was like I don't fully comprehend this but I like this I want to see more of this and so I watched it every morning and over time it began to pick up more as I watched more episodes and I realized oh, I was called Pokemon. Pokemon and I think because that like I said earlier at the time very few people had access to satellite slash digital TV so I think I knew about the show before a lot of my school friends did because they only had like the channels like BBC Channel 4 ITV etc etc and then suddenly ITV started showing it on like Saturday mornings and they had like little segments in between of Anton Deck dressed as Ash Ketchum and Gary Oak um, <laughs> I'll defend myself with the all and girly Pokemon I choose Brian Brian! Brian! Yeah, then Pokemon was like everywhere at this point. Like, like there was merchandise going all all over the place. Um, I'm gonna drive driving past a local Blockbuster, RIP, and there's like a poster showing like Pokemon Red on the Game Boy, and like as another relic, I remember going to Woolworths with my dad after school one day to buy some plastic figures of Pikachu and Raichu, which came with a transparent Pokeball, and I saw the trailer for the first movie in the cinema before seeing. Toy Story 2 in the cinema which is just a t little time capsule there and I remember it got so big that my primary school banned everything Pokemon like not just the trading cards like anything Pokemon was not allowed in school so like imagine if you like try taking in a Pokemon lunchbox it'd be confiscated sorry kids you can't have lunch yeah why why do you think that was was there I guess, was there like a, a satanic oh. panic about Pokemon? Were people thinking they were demons or something? Because the 90s were weird for that. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. I think I think it started off with just the cards, but then it extended into anything Pokemon. Yeah, so why why did yeah why did they have a problem with like a Pikachu bag or something? Like... I think it was just like most of these franchises. I remember when I was in primary school, we had this other thing called Crazy Bones. And... Like that, it was like the most harmless thing you could play with essentially in the playground. But because kids got jealous of it, um, and there was like magazines and stuff like that, anything affiliated with that would that kind of caused a bit of a panic that like it would suddenly result in like teasing and like stealing and stuff like that. Right, right. Yeah, I remember that with Yu Gi Oh! and as someone working in a school at the moment, we've had problems with that with football cards, like match attacks or something. We've had to outright ban match attacks. It's, it's like, it's, a, it's an yeah. over like caution mm. basically from teachers. Yeah, I, I remember as a kid, like Beyblades got banned, but. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of that's comparable. Yeah, as for the games themselves, I didn't end up playing the games until the third generation, which was Ruby and Sapphire. I played bits of Ruby as the, my sister had a copy, but because the games only had one save on the cartridge, I couldn't like progress. I could only play up to like a certain point, but not save it. So the main one I played at the time was Pokemon Coliseum on the GameCube. 
and Leaf Green on the Game Boy Advance, which is the remake of the original game. I wasn't very good at Pokemon, but I still had fun playing it. Like, I just focused on my main Pokemon and just neglected all the other ones, so they were all really underleveled. But I lost interest in Pokemon when I was about, I think, 12? As my younger siblings started watching like the anime every morning, and I think I picked up on how formulaic it was getting, and like how every episode was practically the same thing, and I just got bored of it. And then I think when I was 15, I watched some early episodes of the anime, and the, I think the nostalgia was like, okay, I'll get this. And like since then, I've mainly just dipped in and out of Pokemon, but I did see Detective Pikachu in the cinema, and I did really enjoy playing the latest game, Sword and Children, that came out, and. At the time of recording this, there is a new game coming out tomorrow, which I've pre-ordered. I'm excited to play it. Last year, I discovered the manga. I think I knew the manga existed and seen a video by a YouTuber called Mother's Basement talking about it. And they made it sound really cool. Then last year, after, I think this was like the tail end of um, like the lockdowns and everything was just op opening up. I went to the cinema before the film. I, went, I visited my local Waterstones. And while I was browsing the manga section to see if there was anything that caught my eye. I saw they had the first three volumes of the Pokemon manga, so I bought them, and the next day I started reading them, I instantly was gripped, and I loved the way the manga told like the familiar Pokemon story, and then I was like, we need to do a bloopcast on this, so this is an episode that's been a long time coming, so the manga is what um, switched me from being a kind of a casual Pokemon fan to being someone who absolutely adores Pokemon, and I've even started cosplaying as Ash, and... Last month, me, Ewan and James all cosplayed as the trio from the anime. So I was Ash, Ewan was Misty, and James was Brock complete with his trusty drying pan. Hey, I know. I'll use my trusty frying pan as a drying pan. Yeah, I use my frying pan as a drying pan. Yeah. Ewan, do you want to discuss how you discovered Pokemon? I saw an episode of Pokemon the anime series I think maybe once on Saturday morning and I remember it and I was like oh that's cute and then I must have seen a few more episodes because I I got the gist of it you know a team rocket they would blast them off into space the the who's that Pokemon who's that Pokemon! It's... I'm Saul Goodman. Did you know that you have rights? The Constitution says you do. I, I had a friend of mine who I, you know, grew up with who did have a Game Boy, and I saw he had Pokemon Red, I think. I think it was Pokemon Red. And then I never, like, never watched the show. I never read the manga. I never played the games. <laughs> I... I've... I saw a very short clip of the first Pokemon movie. I didn't see the whole thing, but I knew that Mewtwo was a big deal. Actually, no, I tell I tell a lie. I, I or I'm telling a lie. There, there was one thing. I had a Pokemon annual at some point. It was like the Pokemon Annual 2000 or something like that. You know, you know when they do annuals of things. Yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, I had loads. Yeah, of those. and that was my only exposure really to Pokemon because it. I think it told the first, like adventure when ash meets pikachu so i always knew that story i always knew the story of like oh he goes to professor oak and oak you know he's run out of pokemon so, so ash gets the uh, pikachu instead and, and pikachu electrocutes him because 
he's a bit more difficult to train. It's also known as Electric Mouse. It's usually shy, but can sometimes have an electrifying personality. I see what you mean. Shocking, isn't it? So I, I knew that, and I knew about Mew and Mewtwo, because the, the book was really good. It had the 150 Pokemons, and I do remember, like, going over that loads as a kid. So, no, to be fair, now now that now, now that I think about it, I do remember. Oh, I had the Pokedex book. Okay, yeah, well, I guess it was the same thing. I had the 150 Pokemon, or 151, I guess, because it was Mew and Mewtwo. And then I... Like I said, I didn't watch any of the anime or the manga, and then I saw a couple years ago Detective Pikachu at the cinema. I know you can't understand me, but put down the stapler or I will electrocute you. And that was cute. I saw some jokes and parodies that Film Cow did, as Film Cow we've mentioned as the creator of Charlie the Unicorn. For example, Barack Obama's favorite Pokemon is Mr. Mime. My Pokelove is no secret, Boner. Tell whoever you want. And you wouldn't mind America knowing about your favorite Pokemon? I don't know what you're talking about. I know your terrible secret, Obama. I've seen your collection. There's one worthless card you take very, very good care of. My favorites are the cool ones, like Blastoise and Sandslash. There's no use lying. I know your favorite Pokemon is... Mr. Mime. You son of a- <laughs> Things like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Mr. Mime. <laughs> so that's good. So I know I know Pokemon. I've just never watched or read it religiously, I guess. And then uh, I literally read the first three books in preparation for this. So I've got a bit more of an idea of the characters and the general story and how it all works. And I played for the very first time, I should really stress this, I played a bit of Pokemon Fire Red, and that was really cute. So I played a bit of that, and I got up to Brock. I beat him in two hits, one hit for each Pokemon. And you got the Boulder Badge. And I got the Boulder Badge. And now I know from the manga that the Boulder Badge is important for getting to later tournaments, and it has weird <laughs> magic value of its own right. But anyway, uh, that's me. That's my Pokemon adventure. Uh, James. Uh, I'm the only one that hasn't watched Detective Pikachu, by the way. I just realised I need it's to go cute. watch that. It's some a point. cute. It's a it, cute. It does look it good. Is. Yeah. The mime, the Mr. Mime scene is the highlight of that, actually. That, <laughs> oh that, yeah, that's really funny. That was really funny. It would be a terrible yeah. clip to play for this podcast, sadly, because Mr. Mime doesn't talk. But oh well. So I want to say that my when I discovered Pokemon, coincidentally, my social life probably ended as well. Actually, it's funny. <laughs> um, but, always the way. Yeah, no, yeah, uh, so I want to say it was the anime that I discovered first. I want I want to say, and do correct me wrong, if I'm wrong on this, that it was on CITV. Yes, um, it was. Yeah. And I think much like reboots, they didn't show the whole thing. Yes, exactly. And it was the same with Digimon as well. So both Digimon and Pokemon were showing on that. And I got really into those because I think I've always loved kind of animals and stuff like that. I mean, when I was growing up, we had a cat and, uh, you know, I, my nan also had a dog. Um, but there was a point in our lives basically where we no longer had any pets and stuff like that. So I kind of watched these shows kind of thinking, oh wow, you know, this is kind of like an interesting escapist thing where you, where you have a talking pet essentially, or like a pet that has superpowers fighting each mm. other and stuff like that. And for a person that loves animals and stuff like that, it was kind of like the perfect fantasy. 
I didn't really fully understand that it was a video game franchise until I was a little bit older and my brother got Pokemon Yellow and he played that on the Game Boy. I was pretty young at the time and um, I wasn't really, I was too busy playing platform games like Gex and Crash and stuff on the PS1 at that point. Um, but then I, was, I got a bit older and I was just playing through Game Boy games one day and I think I was on holiday and I gave Pokemon a go and I realised, oh wow, this is actually a lot of fun. The next thing I knew, I was kind of hooked on it, and I was playing it for hours on end. And uh, then I played Pokemon Blue, and I finished Pokemon Blue, I finished Pokemon Red. I played a lot of Silver and Gold as well. Oh, Silver and Gold's the best. I didn't actually complete those two, but I did go on to play... I did play a lot of them, and I do want to go back to them. I completed uh, Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald, and then I also played and completed Diamond and Pearl. I also got a GameCube, and I started playing, like, Pokemon Coliseum. Uh, I also played... Uh, I also had the N64 as well, so I played Pokemon Snap, Pokemon Arena 1 and 2. Um, and oh, there Pokemon was a little Stadium. funny thing on the Nintendo... Yes, Pokemon uh, Stadium, sorry. And you can... On Pokemon Stadium 1 or 2, you can actually put your Game Boy into the N64, yes. like, an exit, and then play it on the TV. So I did a lot of that as well. But then also, like, my love of Pokemon expanded into other, like, forms of media as well. There was the trading card game. A lot of us had that in the playground, um, so I collected a lot of those. Uh, this is really embarrassing, but I was obsessed with Charmander at one point, and I had, like, uh, it was always a trip to Toys R Us, and I had multiple toy Charmanders lying around when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't anymore, though. Now I've just got a Totoro uh, cuddly toy instead. Um, but yeah, and then I the manga wasn't something I discovered until uh, Rob suggested to me. I mean, I, I love the anime. I watched the anime quite a lot. I love the anime films as well. I had them all on VHS. I was obsessed with um, Mewtwo Strikes Back. I watched that in cinema as well. Um, and that was just amazing, you know. Uh, but the manga, it was great. I gave, gave it a read this uh, recently after uh, Rob suggested it. And I really enjoyed it. I still... Uh, I do have a slight preference to the anime, which I'll get into a bit later on. Um, but ultimately, yeah, uh, and as Rob said, I have recently done a Pokemon cosplay as well. If it wasn't for Pokemon, because I, I, I think at one point, Pokemon was like the only RPG game I was playing when I was younger. Um, if, well, if I wasn't playing Pokemon, I'd probably be playing other things like Final Fantasy and stuff like that. But I, it, because of Pokemon, I didn't get really into other fan, um, RPG games until university, really. Because I was too busy playing Pokemon all the time. That was like <laughs> that was just sucking up all my time. I was just like, right, this is this is my role playing. Sorry, um, but yeah, that's that's my story. Really, it's not exciting, but yeah. To be fair, I actually also do have a Charmander toy somewhere. Oh, okay. It's 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 so it's really weird. Like I I obviously because as Rob said, there was a period when Pokemon was everywhere. Oh yes, here's one point. Yeah. Um, like, and so I definitely if you had want toys to, of it and stuff. If, if you don't remember what it was like, I recommend watch the South Park episode Chin Pokemon. That perfectly encapsulates what it was like at the peak of its popularity when it exploded everywhere. Hey kids, do you love Chin Pokemon? Yes. Well now you can buy your very own. I've got to buy Chin Pokemon. I've got to buy it. Now you can collect them all. Furry Cat, Donkey Trunk, Pingin, Shoe, Lamb Toy. Collect them all and you can become Royal Crown Chimpoko Master. Royal Crown Chimpoko Master, holy sh**. That would, that would require me to watch South Park, which is... Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, you and sort of South Park fan. Besides that. No. Wow. <laughs> it's interesting. So my understanding of 
the manga is that they kind of came about they're, they're adaptations of the original video games mm, right that's right uh but yes they, but they also but then there's also details like i was reading how for instance so mewtwo is the villain of the or kind of one of the last battles you have mm. uh in the game but then that but they also took stuff from the anime like to do with Mewtwo and put that in the manga if that makes sense mm. uh to do with like Mewtwo's origin story and things like that yeah uh I guess I should explain who Mewtwo is but I feel like a lot of people listening to this will know who Mewtwo is it's very mm. it's weird to gauge it's uh because a lot yeah it's very weird because like Mewtwo you can find oh this is I think this is uh, from Pokemon Blue in particular you just go in this random cave um Near, it's like it's near the elite four isn't it you go like, yeah that's right four, yeah you go in this cave and then you just find him hanging out there he's like i'm you too i'm gonna kill you now it's like okay <laughs> okay and there's, so, there's not much lore I in the thought, game so explaining who he is yeah. really. no no so i think that was one of the things because the the mewtwo in the film the first Pokemon film, uh, they established that he was created as a clone of Mew, and there's all this kind of backstory, and then that turns up in the manga. Yeah. Because I was thinking, because I I did know Mewtwo's origin story, because I like I said I've kind of learned all this from weird cultural osmosis. And it was a big part of Detective Pikachu as well, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so when I when I was reading the manga, I was like, oh, okay. So does it come from this? And then I looked it up, and I was like, oh wait, no, it comes. It actually does come from the film, mm. all that kind of origin stuff. Yeah. And of course, Team Rocket's yeah. very and different from oh, the yeah. anime in the manga, yeah. sadly. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, one thing that I will say is um, you mentioned that it's that adaptation of the games. Pokemon creator Satoshi Tajiri actually described the manga series, this um, Pokemon Adventures as being the adaptation that he felt was closest to depicting the world he imagined in the games. It's Yeah, well, I can see that. Yeah. Do you know what? It's weird, though. I mean, I can't argue it because he's the creator, so it's like fair game. I can't really disagree with no, that. You can, no, you can argue, you, no, you can argue with it. Yeah, I, I feel like it's very <laughs> different from the games. Like, ridiculously different. I'm very... Like, when a lot of people oh. say, like, oh, it's so close to the games, it's so... It's like, is it, though? Like, what? Like... The characters of the gym leaders are so different from in the video games. Like in the, in the video games, the gym leaders are just they're just like right, you got yeah, to get this badge. It's just like kind of standard process. Okay, now you can go fight the elite mm. four. And the elite four are kind of like right, we're the final lot of people you got to beat before you can enter the Pokemon tournament. No, in in the in the manga, for whatever reason, the the gym leaders are like military leaders, like. Um, and one like three of them are siding with Team Rocket, and like three of them are like fighting against Team Rocket. And then the Elite Four are like these fascistic monsters that want to destroy every human being apart from the skilled human beings and their Pokemon. And it's just like, that's, okay. that's mm. that, what? Where did that come from? That's not in the games. Um, what, <laughs> it's just what, the stuff is, like that. Is, it's like, huh? What is the Elite Four's motivation in the game? They're, they're basically just the final challenge you have before you face your rival for the last time. But going back to what you said about the gym leaders, I really like what they do with them. Like, um, as you said, in the games, they're basically just the characters. You you meet them once, you have a battle with them, yeah. and then you ne they give you the badge. You never interact with them ever again. But here they, they play a bigger role in the plot. Like um, Brock and Misty, and I forget her name, the um, the grass one, they um, play a bigger role in the story. They, they help. Red and they um, assist him later on, and yeah. and of course some of them are in Team Rocket. And I'm, I'm particularly my favourite was um, 
explain, which I'll probably get into later. But I want to kind of talk about the starter angle, like the first couple of chapters, like because I feel they're really solid and do a fantastic job at bringing you into the world and the story. Like we learn yeah. what Pokemon are and how people battle and obtain them. And Red at the start is kind of like a big fish in a small pond. He's never faced a real challenge, so he's a bit overconfident, but his heart's in the right place, and he genuinely cares for his Pokemon. It's only when he tries to take on a mysterious Pokemon and loses that he realises he has a lot to learn. So, And at this time, we're introduced to his main rival, Blue, who's a much more skilled, but is somewhat colder in comparison. So then Red decides, I need to get better. Let's visit Professor Oak. And then he ends up accidentally setting loose all of Professor Oak's Pokemon and ends up having to track them down. And then we um, meet Bulbasaur and Red quickly forms a bond with him. And we get to see his natural skill for battling with Pokemon as he's able to guess that Bulbasaur would have a Sona Beam attack because he's got a bulb on his back. Just quickly regarding Red, actually, uh, which is kind of another divergence from the games. He is kind of like Goku in this. And not just in terms of his personality. I mean, it, it, personality-wise, I think he's a little bit like Goku. And that's cool and all that. But one of, the, one of the similarities that he has with Goku is that he just seems to win most of the fights he does and doesn't seem to struggle too much. And I feel like... With the Pokemon anime, Ash is kind of shown mul like multiple times struggling to defeat Pokemon gym leaders, having to go back and train a bit further, and really struggling and stuff like that. Whereas I feel like with Reddit, it all comes a bit too easily for him, and it's just like by the end of in fact by the end of the manga, he's basically like a god, and it's like okay. Um, yeah. Well, whereas whereas Ash Ash only only just won a tournament, didn't he? <laughs> it's taken him. Oh yeah, years, that, but he did it. That happened recently. Yeah. But actually, yeah, I, yeah. I find that um, a lot of the battles actually do test Red because I think he, a lot of them have different skills and that he has to kind of work his way around. Like different, like the Pokemon have different abilities. Like his first fight with Brock, he wins through luck, basically. He, as well as kind of skill, but he's basically, he's got an electric Pokemon which is useless against rock Pokemon. But it's the only Pokemon with enough health to defeat the rock Pokemon because... His other two Pokemon, Poliwell, who's my favourite Pokemon, I adore Poliwell, and that's partially because of this manga, and Bulbasaur, they're worn out, but Ash can't, uh, Red can't take them to a Pokemon Centre because the Pokemon Centre's been attacked, and we later find out that through Team Rocket. But this just proves my point, like, all these circumstances, how the hell does he win when he just somehow pulls it off? It's just, like, things like that, it's just every single battle, like, it just, it, it just kind of loses the tension for me because he just wins every single one, it's like... Okay, whereas I, I, it's nice to see like a character struggle and stuff like that, and then overcome those struggles. It's kind of like part of the whole kind of heroic, you know, struggle is where like triumphing in the end. So I don't know. It's just the fact that he's just like a walking Goku Pokemon trainer put me off a little bit. And it also, going back to the Poliwell, that's another diversion from the game as well. Like his, essentially, his first Pokemon is a Poliwell, which is just like that doesn't happen in the games either. It's, I don't know, it's just <laughs> no, like... That's impossible, yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. This is why I'm so confused. Everyone's saying, hey, it's like the games. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> I get I'm being nitpicky, but it's just, it just <laughs> frustrates me. <laughs> he, st he started off with a cheat code. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, yeah, quick, quick, quick. quick, quick, quick. Say, right off the bat. One of the things I really like about the manga is how they implement some like the mechanics from the games into the story. So yeah. I think one example is in the yellow part of the story is... You can stop your Pokemon evolving by pressing the B button. And in the manga, they explain this by mm. saying, you have the Pokedex, press this button here, and it will send out a signal that stops the evolution. 
But one of my favourites is how they use the badges. In the games, they allow you to use Pokemon of a higher level, which is dumb because with the Game Boy games, you can trade between the games. So, and you can easily trade for like a a big like high level Pokemon. But um, they in implemented the badge system, so you didn't get a super high level Pokemon and cheese your way through the game. Mm. But they actually use that as a story beat. There's like the badges actually give you greater control over more powerful Pokemon. And they also can come together to create this absolute monstrosity which merges all three of the legendary bird Pokemon together. Mm. Uh, I've got to say it. It's, <laughs> I'm so bad, I feel like I'm criticising a lot of it. But in terms of... A lot of what we just described here happens across seven volumes. We see three of the legendary birds. We see Mewtwo, we see Mew... And also, Red has to take on all seven gym leaders and the Elite Four across seven volumes. It all happens... Oh, te- eight gym leaders. Sorry, eight gym leaders, I beg your pardon. Oh, because um, Blaine's a gym leader as yeah, well. But this, I don't think he has a fight yeah, with And him. also, as, 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 as to my point, actually, he also fights Team Rocket. And this all happens over the space of several volumes. Whereas I feel like the anime fleshes out the journey a bit more. And, and like to the point where the whole Mewtwo story itself happens in a whole movie. And it just feels a bit nicer and prolongs the journey whereas with the manga it just felt like oh i've just through the first volume and now like muse showed up and it's like whoa okay this is moving very fast like whoa yeah i i preferred i preferred red when he was working with like misty or um that was fun or uh or blue slash green how whatever name we give her yeah um Mm. you know i i liked it when he had that dynamic and i guess that's what the anime leads into because obviously it's ash misty and brock a lot of the time not all of the time but early on it's it's that yes um yeah and and i and i just wonder if that's the issue for red because he's kind of on his own the whole time and or, or a lot mm. of the time and he's just kind of like yeah like i i i pressed x to win kind of thing and, and there's not much else to it it's just like oh i thought of this clever scheme that'll win somehow and i was thinking if this was the game you'd be dead by now dude also, this is very unfair brock <laughs> doesn't even have a personality in this he just doesn't do anything like no no he doesn't show up at all really. no like misty's always kind of he's, mentioning he's him like there. he's the good guy and he's helping us but he doesn't say anything he's just kind of there in the corner <laughs> quietly just like no mention of a drawing he turns turn he turns up at the end with his rock monster and and defeats team rocket but yeah, it's very like that's what I mean. It, it, there's all these kind of fun characters, and then we don't really see a lot of them that much. No. It's more mm. of like we just kind of run into I'm, them now. I'm and not. Then. I think I will be fair to the writers and the artists because first of the art, art's great, and they have to like basically condense a whole plot across several volumes. It's impossible to do. Whereas I think the anime had a bit more leeway to do that. So I think they just needed a bit more space to tell this big story. I can tell it's quite an ambitious story yeah. they wanted to tell, and it's just, you know, because it's all crammed together in these several volumes, it, it, mm. uh, it doesn't really read as well for me. Um, and then and obviously mm. some of the characters are just kind of thrown to one side, uh, unfortunately, because of it. So I, I think I do think that yeah, they they were obviously they did want to essentially adapt the first games and you can totally see that yeah because mm. yeah as we said like you're you, when you play the game you're running around on your own and that's what red does yeah. so i understand that that was kind of the idea that they were going for but uh yeah no it's it, it is strange it is a strange kind of storytelling because obviously it's very like 
as as Rob mentioned earlier about the anime, like it is quite formulaic. You do just kind of oh, here's the the Squirtle episode. Here's the uh, I don't know. This is pushing my knowledge of Pokemon. <laughs> right. uh, this, he, here's the uh, Ghastly episode. That's an ep- that's a Pokemon, right? Yeah, there we go. Uh, I know Pokemons. Um, yeah, you know, like, there's always these kind of different episodes, and they're all kind of based around, like, oh, here's a new Pokemon we're running into. And the manga has that a little bit, where I was kind of, like, reading it and going, okay, yeah, we're, we're doing, here's this Pokemon now. And you go, oh, thank God, there's a new character, because every so often it would just be these Pokemon and nothing else. Yeah. Like, oh, all right. I like, <laughs> I know, obviously, it's formulaic, but I do like that some episodes of the anime do condense and focus a lot on, like, an individual element of Pokemon and flesh it out, like the Charmander episode, for instance. Like, it's, it's introduces Charmander, and then they have an episode focusing on Bulbasaur, and, you know, even though it's formulaic, I do like that they give that element of the game the time to tell the story around it, whereas in the manga, it kind of just happens over a few pages and it's like okay <laughs> uh, I, I, I quite like this. Um, one thing I did think I really like about the manga is um, how the stakes raise somewhat naturally like going off it's quite a more innocent story with um, Red going through the gyms battling the gym leaders but there's small hints here and there that something sinister is going on and then hmm. Red stumbles into his first battle against Team Rocket and then that ends up taking precedent over like the gym leaders and everything like that um, because obviously they're trying to like take over everything, and they're even trying to take over like the um, hometown of Pallet Town, which is where Red and Blue are from. And I think it also does a really good job of playing into the arcs of Red and Blue's characters because it forces them to work together. And I really like what they do with the two characters, as in like their mm. final battle is amazing because like, they perfectly because they they both learn from each other. Like there's a great moment in the manga where they end up switching Pokemon and having to train each other's Pokemon in different ways. It's great because they're somewhat adversarial at the beginning, but in their, by the time of their final battle, they've got a friendly rivalry going on, which is really cool to see. In fact, Blue seems less silly. I'll be fair and say he does seem less silly and a bit more professional and mysterious than his smug anime Gary counterpart. There is still some smugness to him, but I do think he's much more interesting as a character. Much more likeable. Likeable, yeah, yeah, and interesting as well. Yeah, because like at, yeah, at the start, Blue does not consider Red a rival and a threat, and Red's just determined to prove himself and defeat him. Then the relation, as I said, the relation changes throughout the story. And during the Team Rocket arc, when they after defeat Team Rocket, Blue at the start he's reluctant to work with Red as he feels Red's just going to get in the way. But by the end, as when they've defeated Team Rocket, Blue has a newfound respect for him and uh, even says, "Oh, I'm looking forward to our battle in the finals." Now. Uh, Team Rocket in the manga is uh, a big evil corporation trying to create the ultimate Pokemons. Uh, now I understand that in the first Pokemon movie, uh, it is Team Rocket who are creating Mewtwo like they do in the manga here. Yes. So my question is, in the anime, how do lovable goofballs James, Jesse and Meowth fit into the overall evil uh team rocket group because it seemed like they were very at odds tonally (laughs) those two team rocket they're just part two basic team rocket grunts who are pretty useless because there is an episode of the anime which um, i remember having because i Mm. recorded it off the tv where um they go to like a this pokemon center or like a daycare center basically where they look after your pokemon 
or um, it turns out it's a prompt for Team Rocket to capture Pokemon. Yeah. And Jesse and James are jealous because they're actually competent. Oh. Yeah. There's an actual origin episode about how they joined Team Rocket as well, if, if uh, you're interested in checking that out. Okay. <laughs> did, did, they just, like, did they just lie on their CV? Because I feel like... Well, no. What, whatever... Whatever, te- whatever Team Rocket are doing, it seems very above what Jesse and James and Meowth are capable well, of. Well, with Meowth... From what I remember of the anime. With Meowth, when he came in and just started talking, they were like, yeah, you're hired. Because <laughs> ah, <laughs> he's like a talking Pokemon. Yeah. Which is like... That's yeah. like a dog talking. What's the, sto- <laughs> what's, the st- what's the story with Meowth? Do they ever explain it in the manga or the anime no. or whatever? Like, well, why, in, how, in, how he's able in to the talk? manga he doesn't talk. Huh. Yeah. I don't think he's even in okay. the manga, actually. I don't think he shows up. No, he doesn't show up. He's not yeah. in the manga. No. Um, so He ought to be. He is that generation. So, 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 with, so with the anime, they just never explain it. They're just like, yeah, he's a talking Pokemon. Don't think so. Him and Mewtwo, there's no one else. <laughs> yeah. Well, with Mewtwo, it makes sense. Yeah, Mewtwo sense, makes he's sense. he's just genetically engineered. And he's genetically but... spliced with a human. So it makes sense. But, like, Meow- is, Me- is Meowth a mutant? <laughs> I want to go into that, so I really like what they did with Blaze and Mewtwo. Oh, not Blaze, Blaine. Yeah, but, um, so he starts out as a scientist hired by Team Rocket who joined because of scientific discovery. Because, obviously, this whole idea of scientists will, like, push things as far as they can. And he assisted in cloning Mew and created Mewtwo, who's, like, supposed to be, like, this unstoppable Pokemon. He merged, he used Mew cells with some of his own for this. Um, but then it was when Ren... Red infiltrates Team Rocket mm. and showed how much he cared for Pokemon, which made Blaine realise he was on the wrong side. And so he defected from Team Rocket. And I think that's a cool arc for him. And also really, one thing that's absolutely badass is that because he used some of his cells to create Mewtwo, there's this tumour on his arm that reacts when Mewtwo's nearby and he uses that to locate him. It's so different from the games but i love it yeah that was like some weird body horror yeah it was creepy when that happened i was like oh <laughs> more of this please i really like the stuff in lavender town because it's so creepy and like, like i've got all the ghost pokemon with the zombies and there's and the bit where blues charmeleon slices koga's arbok in half and like that's one of those moments because it is kind of like what we spoke about with reboots where it's something that's essentially quite child friendly but isn't afraid to sometimes dip its toes into like darker scarier stuff and it makes like, the writing a bit stronger as a result as it respects the intelligence of the audience well, yeah because in the anime they just avoid mentioning death full stop whereas death in the video games and in the manga it's a very real concept um and as is the pokemon graveyard of lavender town so um yeah, i thought it was cool that zombie bit now does doesn't Blaine look like Dr. Eggman? Or is it, he or is does it a little me? bit. <laughs> I do okay. kind of get I that. He's got to... the, it's the... It's the massage that does it and the goggles. I'm an alpha he's, he's male like, gamer. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be my gamer girl. And you're going to play all of Pokemon. <laughs> run, run. I am an alpha male gamer. <laughs> 
love it. Uh, we're, we're, sorry, we're referencing a very specific internet joke about where Elise from Sonic 2006 is conscripted by Dr. Eggman to play uh, Fortnite. I miss my wife, of, uh, Various games. <laughs> I miss my wife very much. <laughs> I'll be back. <sighs> I miss my wife, Tails. <laughs> I miss her a lot. I'll be back. I really like some of the ways they use Pokemon. Like, they use them in some really, really cool and inventive ways. Like, um, in the games, you need to use your imagination when it comes to the Pokemon battles. But in the manga, we really see the battles come to life and the trainers play a bigger role in simply giving orders to the Pokemon. Like, where they are standing in tandem to the Pokemon and things like that really plays a part in the battle. And like even outside of the battles, um, the Pokemon are using really clever ways. Like there's a really cool mm. part where like where Bulbasaur use, uses vines to give Red a boost up. There's Mr. Mime creating a force field around the Team Rocket building, and there's a cool mm. part where Green or Blue, depending on which version you're reading, gets basically gets her appears to have her arm sliced off. But it turns out it wasn't her arm; it was her Ditto, which is a Pokemon that can transform into. Or in the game, it can transform into any Pokemon. In the manga, it can transform into anything. Yeah, I really liked the uh, whenever they came across like a psychic Pokemon, it always put put them into some kind of like weird dream world, which I thought was really mm, neat. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that happens in the game, but it it was cool at the in the manga when it when it happened. Uh, yeah, no, I, I liked that. I liked the training element of in the manga. Like it was interesting seeing the difference between red and uh, blue slash greens training styles because i liked that red was a bit more laid back and then when they swapped pokemon at one point red green like suddenly had all of like red's pokemon like frog marching and he had like all or like he had them all like jogging you know and all these kind of exercise regime and uh then red is just like yeah we'll just go like fishing or something i don't know like he was just so much more laid back Red, Red kind of reminds me of like a Huckleberry Finn kind of character. Mm. He kind of wanders around and he's just kind of the, this random guy, random kid who's just kind of hanging out and doing whatever he wants. Mm. And uh, yeah, I guess Yellow's kind of doing that as well because of that big hat. But uh, Oh yeah. yeah, so this is where I kind of have a bit of criticism because I've been singing the praises of this manga, but the Yellow Arc has its moments, but oh. I feel it's a bit of a step down. I like... It's got some cool ideas, but it's, it mostly, to me, feels like an extended epilogue to the first. It feels yeah, a bit more unfocused because it's not really following the plot of the games, which mm. I think is because it's based on Pokemon Yellow, which is basically Pokemon Red and Blue, but you've got Pikachu following you around. So I think they felt, we can't really do that again, oh. so let's try and tell a new story. But um, I yeah. did like seeing Blue coming back as a badass, but Yellows, I didn't find them as great attackers. I thought they were much weaker than Red, and I just spent the manga waiting for Red to come back because I really like yeah. Red. And when, yeah. it, and it, when he did come, yeah, yeah. But and when he did come back, I was excited because I got got to see him fight Bruno of the Elite Four. And that was a really cool fight. But and then when he did come back, I I was just like, oh, I want to spend more time with Red. I don't want to be spending time with all these characters. Mm. And it felt like it was the story was trying to do I... a bit too much, like. It felt yeah. like it was trying to both tie up like lingering plot threads from the red and blue story and also set up gold and silver, yeah. which is the next story. But it feels like it went on for a bit longer than mm. it needed to. 
And of course, there's a depiction of the Elite Four, which just was. It doesn't sit right with me how they were depicted. It doesn't. It feels weird and really forced. Well, they're all like. Where they're like fascists. Yeah, it's just mur yeah. murder the world. They're like another yeah. Team Rocket that's somehow even worse than Team Rocket. It's like that. What? Um, yeah. I, I, oh yeah, because they, later I, on Team Rocket do work with um, like blue, green, and yellow, and Blaine to take on the the Elite Four yeah. and find Red. The Mew. It's annoying because the Mew Two stuff with Blaine involved in that story was really interesting, and I liked the final volume and all the battles that happen in it, but. The build up, mm. like it's volume four, five, and six, which is really those were a chore to we, get through. I felt like, yeah, we mentioned uh, yeah. Goku earlier, and it definitely. So I'm a really, I weirdly enough, people don't actually know this, but I actually really do like Dragon Ball uh, and Dragon mm. Ball Z. I, I, you know, I, I know, I know a lot more about it than I let on, <laughs> which is quite funny. But um, I really like Dragon Ball Z, and I really like uh, the Saiyan Saga. It's called or the Saiyan Arc. Yes, and, uh, and that whole story is amazing. Like it's and, and it feels like everything's been building up to it. It has the ridiculously long half hour between uh, uh, Goku and Frieza, where like they say we have half an hour until the planet explodes, and then there's like twelve more episodes that are all like twenty minutes long. <laughs> so it's very it's oh, very yes. silly, but but it's great. It's this big climactic battle, and then. Um, it's, it feels like everything has ended. We finished the story, you know, it has a yeah. kind of, you know, there's a bit of a cliffhanger at the end, but ultimately it's like, no, 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 everything's kind of been wrapped up. It's all done. And now there's the Android Saga. And you know how, like, literally all of the characters in the Saiyan Saga were pushed to their ultimate limit and that, like, they completed some ancient prophecy and all of that stuff. Oh well, there's even more powerful villains to fight now, and our main characters just have to become even more powerful. Yeah, and that's what the that's what the Yellow Saga felt like to me, because I was like, Yeah, I we, I do feel that. Yeah, we built up the story. Yeah, we built up the story with Team Rocket and Mewtwo and Mew, and it's like all of these. You know, it feels like oh, we've we've kind of we got this big story being told in red, blue, uh, green, and then it's like oh, we did everything and we wrapped everything up. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, it just um, feels like tension. All right. I do yeah. have some points about this, but um, so one thing I did like about that arc is it kind of goes in some. It's got some subtle environmental themes. Well, maybe not subtle is the right word, but they're kind of oh, nuanced. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not like over the top and on on the nose as some other franchises, political themes. But I do like the general uh, how the this manga is generational, like. Um, uh, the anime, it's always there. She's always going to be 10 years old. and But the manga switches out protagonists for each game with... Um, like the older characters come back occasionally. Like um, Gold and Silver is a completely new story of new characters, although the old ones do come back here and there. And uh, they, pop, they pass the torch to the new characters. And mm. I think that's, that makes it such easy reading is you can dip in and out of the different arcs. And also, whenever like Nintendo does a remake, like um, they did with Fire Red and Leave Green... The manga brings back the protagonists from those arcs for new stories and has those characters take centre stage, which is really cool to see. Mm. I've, I've, I've got up to like the Emerald arc. Mm. I've not, I've only read up to Yellow, but I'm excited to read more. I might end up reading a bit more myself, actually, because I have to say the manga did get me back because I haven't played Pokemon for a very long time. It has made me want to go back mm. and replay the games um, again as well and also maybe check out the anime once again. <laughs> 
Mickey Mouse is actually mentioned in the man- uh, manga. Oh yes, he is. This gives a rise to a lot of questions. Um, and you say Red says Pikachu ain't Mickey Mouse when Miss- Misty asks about it. So, I mean, I don't know what this this Disney thing in the Pokemon world now. I guess it possibly is. Apparently, I mean, it is. Say, fellas, did somebody mention the door to darkness? I want. I think this might have been a meta joke because I feel like there was a period when people were comparing Pikachu to Mickey Mouse and saying that he was like the Japanese equivalent. I'm just, you know, because oh, okay. he's a he's a little, because he's a little rat, you know, and it's kind of like mm. America's mouse, I guess. I don't know. I, I I I I vaguely remember comparisons being made between these these two cartoon rodents, essentially. Uh, and and uh, in in the in the 80s and 90s as well, America especially was having a big freak out about um, uh, Japan becoming more of an economic uh, superpower. Um, so you had a lot of anti-Japanese propaganda during that period, very weirdly enough. But that's a whole other thing. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, yeah. So anything, I, I wonder if that was related to the the banning of Pokemon stuff in schools. I wonder. But uh, I just remember as a kid, people being like, "Oh, it's bad that you're buying a Sony PlayStation because that's Japan." I just I remember stuff like that. Really? Oh, very yeah. weird kind of. Mm. Yeah, there was some weird xenophobia going on, you know. And I guess. You know, there's still there's some long memories to the Second World War, maybe, but yeah, yeah. there's some weird questionable logic there. Uh, Gold and Silver, that was the sequel to um, to Red and Blue, and basically they thought Pokemon was going to die out. They thought it was a fad and it was going to end. So, they, so Gold and Silver were intended to be the like the final Pokemon games ever made. So they went all out. So basically, you go you're in a whole new area called Johto, and then you go to um, when you've beaten all the gyms in Johto, you go back to Kanto and fight all the gym leaders there. And I think Blue is the gym leader in Viridian City instead of Giovanni. And then after you've beaten all the gym leaders, you climb this mountain, and then you do battle with Red, your character from the first game, which I think is where probably the generational aspect of the manga comes from. Uh, and then also, then think the next games were Ruby and Sapphire because Pokemon has not got away; it's still going. But I think Ru- I've I've saw in a Did You Know Gaming video the other month that Ruby and Sapphire, which is supposed to be complete reboots with like a hundred percent new Pokemon, which is why like the older Pokemon from older games don't show up until near the end of the game because it's quite a lot last minute decision to like have it continue on, kind of. Do you know what's interesting about the manga? is the depiction of Pokemon. Like, it's interesting because in the video games, Pokemon don't say their names. They don't go around going, Bulbasaur, whatever. They just go, or whatever, like just making a weird animal noise. And in the manga, uh, they a lot of the uh, Pokemon actually do act like proper animals and stuff like that. I think at one mm, point, Yeah, it's really cute. Yeah, Bulbasaur actually purrs in it, which I thought was mm. really cute. Yeah, I need to talk about how cute Bulbasaur looks inside the Pokeball because that's one thing I like about the manga is um, how it's not something you see in the anime, but in the manga when they're inside the Pokeball, you can see the Pokemon just chilling inside the ball, and it's really cute. Bulb- Bulbasaur looks so cute inside the little Pokeball. Yeah, some some Pokemon do say the name, so Pikachu still does. It's mm. it's interesting because the anime was the one that 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 was what sort of started off the whole thing with Pokemon saying their names repeatedly. But yeah, I just thought that was an interesting take on how Pokemon are depicted, really. You know, mum, you know, it, it's just like how normal animals act. 
One thing I will say is Bulbasaur does get his solar beam ridiculously quickly. Like, as soon as Red gets him, he gets solar beam. And it, it's fu it's quite funny. Yeah, because Red's like, oh, he's got a bulb on his back. He must have a solar beam. And Professor is like, how did you know he had that? He's like, I don't know. I just guessed. Yeah, Red actually has knowledge of solar power and science, which, you know, impresses Professor Oak. And it's a neat, it's a neat ju juxtaposition to Ash's dim and dense nature. Like, if he had Fallout stats, I'm pretty sure his science is well above 70 points, and he could yeah. just, like, just pop, do a pass a speech check, but, you know. So what shall it be? Do you join the Unity, or do you die here? Join. Die. Join. Die. Pika. Pikachu. Very demanding for one in your tenuous position. But I can... Respect. ...your needs. Yeah, but I do... Like, while you're saying like Red's like this, this um, kind of like a Gary Stu where he's like always like winning battles, I do get that, but I also do think he's a bit more nuanced than that because, like I said at the start, he's like a big fish in a small pond. He's a bit arrogant. Like his heart's in the right place, but he he overestimates himself. He thinks, oh, I'm the best of the best, and then he loses to Mew because he doesn't know when to stop, and that's when he kind of sets on a journey of, okay, I actually need to work on myself and become a better trainer. Yeah, it, like I say, that's why I kind of go with the comparison to Goku, because he's still a naive uh, individual that, you know, is still growing up in the world, as it were. But I just think that the way the struggles are portrayed in the anime are just a bit better and a bit more... Um, I, I don't know, like, it made me like the characters a bit more, I think. I like the Pokédex in the manga, because... Oh, yes! Um, it has screens from the game! Yeah, that's what I loved about it. They actually do pay direct homage to the video games. They're using the sprites from the games. And mm. and also, like I like that there's like panels that explore the lore as well. I know they do that in the anime as well, but I thought it's kind of nice that there's some world building going on throughout the manga. Um, I quite liked the mm. use of the Pokédex there. In fact, yeah. uh, later we're introduced to the Pokémon Fan Club, which actually challenges... Oh, yes, um, with Mr. This... Pringle! Yeah! Uh, <laughs> Mr. Pring Mr. Pringle was in charge of the Pokemon Club, the Pokemon Fan Club. Oh, that's a really funny bit because um, Ash is um, Red's talking about how he's done all these great battles, and then the head of the Pokemon Fan Club is like, um, "What? You battle with your Pokemon? But we just love our Pokemon and want them to stay cute and adorable forever." Yeah. And then Red ends up. What's wrong with that? Like. Yeah, and then Red's, um, he rescues one of his Pokemon, and it's ended up evolving, and he's like, oh, what's happened to it? Yeah, I, I, know, I know that it's a cheap joke on Pokemon, but it is literally about, like, animal abuse and, uh, and for, 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 forcing animals to fight. <laughs> yeah. And... Like, the, the, the closest comparison is, like, cockfighting. <laughs> yeah. There's that funny bit in Reboot Season 4 where they did the Pokemon parody and quote-unquote Bob is like, you trap animals in cages and release them to fight for you? That is sick! It's super messed up. Yeah, there's like literally a moment where Red actually protects the Kangaskhan uh, rather than go on the weird Pokemon trailer mentality of assault and kidnap mm. because it had a child. Yeah, that's a really good bit because then um, that's quite early on and Blue's like determined to capture this um, Pokemon and he's like, and Red's just like, what are you doing? Is there something wrong with it? It's angry. And then he's like, oh, you've lost your baby. And um, I think that's plays into Blue's arc where he learns to actually care more for, about Pokemon and understand them a bit more. 
which is something Red's always been able to do. Yeah. But it's just like they've normalised cruelty to wild animals so much when there's like a clear alternative. Like Pokemon is just desperate. It's in desperate need of like an RSPCA or some animal organisation to help. The Elite Four are basically Peter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's quite good actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the one the one thing I did like going back to the the kind of the training methods and how the big story is really about Red building a relationship with his Pokemon and and actually like yeah like treating them you know like if you treat a Pokemon nice they treat you <laughs> nice in return and and if you if you're if you're bad then Pokemon will be bad kind of idea and uh, I liked it kind of had more of an edge because I I watched a bit of Yu-Gi-Oh growing up. And Yu-Gi-Oh makes no sense because the entire thing, the the way to win is to believe in the heart of the cards, which is not a thing. It, it's it didn't used to be. It used to be Yugi turns into a pharaoh and brutally murders well, people. Oh yeah, but ultimately it was still like at some point Yugi or Yami or whatever believes in the heart of the cards, and it, it's just. <sighs> Yeah, it may, it it makes a lot. Look, if we're if we're gonna have trading cards, have a mythology basically is what Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh are. Then Pokemon makes more sense because at least it's like, well, yeah, you're training the Pokemon and like getting them like better stats, as it were. Whereas, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh is great. I I do recommend Yu-Gi-Oh because it is absolutely, it is absolutely it. nuts. It's time to do the duel. It's very silly. Have you noticed everyone in the Pokemon is kind of useless? Um, like, yes, I mean, people I did in general. That. Like, it's when the Pokemon are stolen from the Pokemon fan club. They're, all the people are like, there's nothing we can do. It's just like, just, just set up a search party. Just because you're yeah. human doesn't mean you're useless. Like, technology's advanced in the Pokemon world. Just, like, there, isn't there Officer Jennies in this world? Like, just get all the Officer Jennies to stop them. There's, like, there's like hundreds of Officer Jennies on patrol mm. everywhere. But, yeah, no. But apparently they just need Pokemon to do all the work for them. Yeah. Which is also bizarre. That was another interesting thing, was that we didn't really get a sense... Maybe, it, maybe there's more of this in the later manga, but in the early manga, you don't really get a sense that people in the Pokemon world know how to deal with Pokemon. Uh, I always got I, I always got the sense that in Pokemon, like, it's kind of like the Detective Pikachu world where Pokemon are like, yeah, a fact of life within the Pokemon world and they've kind of become integrated into our kind of society. Whereas, like, yeah, in, in the manga, they, they, they generally, like, when, when they're chasing after Pikachu for the first time, for instance, like, nobody seems to have a plan for how to get rid of... <laughs> Yeah, a Pikachu, and I would have thought like after at least several decades or centuries of having Pikachu's around, <laughs> you would know what to do with a Pikachu. You know, it's like it's like living in the it's like living on the uh, in Gibraltar and not knowing what to do when all that they there's like all those monkeys there. Like y y I feel like you'd know what to do with the monkeys after a certain point. My theory, I think, is like this manga originally came out 1997, 25 years ago, so quite early in Pokemon. I think. This was around the time, I think even, maybe even before the anime came out. So, whereas Detective Pichu was a lot later. I think probably that came like with the benefit of like been doing Pokemon for nearly twenty five years now. Also, 
Red actually swears at blue at one point, which I think is hilarious. Um, it's censored, of course. Yeah, I know Japan's a bit more relaxed about swears in children's media, but like, was an actual swear included? Do you think? I, well, I what does he say? Do we know? This. Or is it just? No, it's like literally, you know, you know when like um, in comics when a swear word's when kind it's of, a, it's yeah, like a, yeah, 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 all right. Yeah, I know what you it's mean. It's all kind yeah. of like characters. Um, well, he's, ob he's obviously calling in the c word. Come on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What is your favourite Pokemon? So, my favourite Pokemon is, I've, I've mentioned it earlier, is Poliwhirl. And I, I liked the idea of it being Red's first Pokemon. I, was, I thought it was a unique choice and I just really love the design. It's a really cute design. I love the, the little eyes and everything and the swirl. The oh, the cuddly one as well. The swirl looks like something out of Junji Ito, but I agree, it is cute. <laughs> oh, yes. Is this only in the context of the manga, or is it as a whole? Um, uh, for, for me, it's a mix of both. I just really like Poliwhirl. Can I, can I give two answers, so like a manga one and also just in general? Yeah, go. Cool. So in the manga, Gyarados is my favourite Pokemon, because oh, he's just nice. like... He's just so cute. He's like this big lovable giant and everyone's terrified of him. There's a bit where like uh, Red has is basically bo he's borrowing um, Gyarados off Misty and like he shows Gyarados off to his other poker when they're all carrying the corner like oh my god a giant sea dragon and like Gyarados has like this little heart emoji like on top of him going like oh it's a... <laughs> this cute little lovable idiot. Um, but my yeah. favourite po Pokemon as a whole is Charmander because he's just adorable. Oh I, I love Charmander. I He's another one I've got a cuddly of. Yeah, I had like eight when I was a kid. Eight like cuddly traumatists, which is really oh, wow. embarrassing. But you know. Um, yeah. How about you, Ian? You know, as someone who's not big into Pokemon, it's quite hard to think of one. But I think I, re I do really like... Uh, I liked him in the manga especially, but I really like Kadabra. And I think I oh, like yeah. Kadabra oh, yeah. just because... Yeah, I really like the design because he's like a weird wizard man. But I also just really love the fact that his like unevolved version is Abra, and as a kid, that that tickled me because I remember reading that. And oh, going, ah! Do you know the evolved? <laughs> do you know? Do you know what the the evolution of Kadabra is? Isn't it Alakazam or something like that? Alakazam. Yeah, Alakazam. Is it, is yeah. Is it Alakazam or just Kazam? Alakazam. Al Alakazam. Okay. Yeah. No, I remember that. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I like I like Kadabra. Okay. So James, next time. So how are we rounding off Bluecast for 2022? Prepare for battle. We are talking about Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers, the movie by Peter Jackson, based off the famous book by J.R. Tolkien. Um, we've already previously discussed the Fellowship of the Ring, so we're now continuing on from that. Um, and uh, we're going to be exploring what is basically one of the best fantasy films ever made. It's going to blow your minds, guys. Also features one of the greatest love, love triangles in cinema between Frodo, yes. Sam and Gollum. <laughs> <laughs> and it also had a really cool PS2 game, which I'm excited to talk about oh, as yeah. well. <laughs> I was really bad at that. Yeah. So, so Elijah Wood. Yeah, until then, the blue cast bids you farewell. Yeah, take care, everyone. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Bloobcast. We've been Rob, James, and Ewan. You can find all of our episodes on bloobcast.com. We're also available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We also have a YouTube channel where we produce shorter episodes called Bloobnets, where we discuss the latest news in popular culture. You can find us on social media with at bluecastpod 
on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Please like, follow and subscribe so you can get the latest updates on new episodes. We also have an email address which is bloopcast.outlook.com so if you have any feedback or want to suggest things for us to review in our future episodes, please feel free to drop us an email and you'll get a shout out on the next episode. Please also rate and review us on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. More engagement helps us a lot. And finally, please share the podcast amongst your friends and family. Help spread the word so that the Bloobcast Empire can become strong and mighty.